0: I'm excited to share with you all that I've contributed a chapter to the newly published Anxiety Relief Handbook. The handbook provides a unique window into 11 highly effective complementary therapies for you to sample on your quest to ease anxiety. The ebook is available on my website happynurse.com.au forward slash anxiety relief handbook.
1: And probably the the most striking are the ones that we never speak about or are less obvious, the internal ones, the reluctance as a man to actually acknowledge that I can't do it. You know, I can't be what I'm supposed to be.
0: Welcome to the Happy Nurse Podcast. Nurses are the backbone of healthcare, always there to care for strangers as if they were one of their own, often forsaking special moments with their own family in order to ensure another's loved one is being cared for. As nurses, self-care is essential. I am Elena Mullery, nurse educator and self-care mentor for nurses. I'm an RN with 20 years of clinical experience. I have first-hand experience of stress and burnout. It was this experience which led me to develop a passion for personal development and pursue the study of mindfulness, meditation, hypnotherapy and neuro-linguistic programming. Each episode, I will be promoting self-care strategies to those who always care for others. I have broken self-care down into five aspects mental, emotional, physical, spiritual and indulgence to make it easy to ensure all your self-care needs are being met. Each episode I will interview nurses and self-care gurus from around the world to help you with each aspect of your self-care. Welcome to the Happy Nurse Podcast with Elena Mullery. Hi everyone, welcome to this episode of the Happy Nurse podcast. Today I am joined by Daryl Griffin. Daryl is the co-host of Burnout Bros. Burnout Bros is a peer support community for men in business who are affected by burnout. He writes regularly on medium.com and also delivers keynotes and workshops on the topic of burnout. Welcome to the podcast, Daryl.
1: Hi, Elena. Thank you for inviting me, even though I'm not a nurse.
0: I love what you're doing, and I think burnout, especially in men, is such an important topic that needs to be spoken about more. And there is a population of male nurses out there, so I was very interested to have this chat with you.
1: It's a huge... What's the word? It's not a huge subject. It's a huge issue in not only in business, but in society in general. And I think that it's a, a growing phenomenon amongst both genders, all genders, but particularly men. There seems to be uh, reasons why it's, it's important that we start talking about it put it that way.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I love that there's more men like yourself openly having this conversation and bringing it to the light. We need to lose the shame and the stigma around it all. And the more of us who speak about it, the easier it's going to be to step out of that box of shame and guilt around experiencing it. So thank you so much for what you're doing and what you're bringing to light. Pleasure. Having gone down that burnout path twice myself. Mm-hmm. I That's what drives me, what fuels me, what what has become my mission to reduce nurse burnout. It's a phenomenon in our industry that has been there for a long time but it doesn't get spoken about openly. And there's a whole host of different reasons that it, it has been kind of the elephant in the room for a long time. Why do you think it has become this elephant in the room?
1: Number of factors, Elena. I think they're environmental, societal, cultural, internal. From my own experience as, as somebody coming to burnout from an entrepreneurial perspective, certain things are exalted, like busyness has a certain kind of kudos, you know, even though, you know, you might a busy fool, but as long as you're busy, then that is applauded. If you are going above and beyond in terms of, you know, while you might be paid for 40 hours a week, but you're doing 70, that somehow has a badge of honor attached to it. In the world of entrepreneurialism, there's this whole kind of crush it culture where, you know, you just kind of like go for it and you sacrifice You know, everything in pursuit of this, you know, monster you've created for yourself, essentially. So, but also, you know, there are cultural issues and probably the the most striking are the ones that we never speak about or are less obvious. The internal ones, the, the shame and stigma that you've spoken about, the reluctance as a, a man to actually acknowledge that I can't do it. You know, I can't be what I'm supposed to be. And when everything in the media portrays men as strong and you know, occasionally it portrays men, particularly in back in England, but also here in Australia, portrays men as the kind of sappy, kind of kind of henpecked. Kind of slightly weaker of the two kind of you know in the you know what I mean, it's kind of uh,
0: yeah, the, it's like you you're not a man if you're not providing and in, in suffering for your family, kind of
1: yeah, well, yeah, you know, and I mean, there are all kinds of things that we can talk about here in terms of you know the the culture. I mean, we, you know, you come from Scotland, I come from England and we're both in Australia. But the first thing that struck me when I came here was that there's a quite a, you know, quite a drinking culture. There's also that in England, but there's quite a drinking culture here. It's big on tattoos and muscles and, you know, work hard, play hard and all this kind of, you know, boating, camping, fishing kind of lifestyle. Not a great deal of talk about feelings and what it's like to be a man when you can't spin all the plates, you know, when yeah. they're crashing down around your ankles rather than anything else, you know. And I don't think people necessarily. I think, as a, a by and large, generally, people, and, I, and again, I, I speak as a man, as long as as long as things are going generally okay there's no need to address these things however when they aren't going okay there doesn't seem to be a lot of people talking about these things so it shouldn't surprise us that in the u in australia sorry there's nine suicides a day you know, and 75% of those are men. And historically, this has been true in us. This isn't a recent phenomenon. This is a hundred year issue. Nine people a day for a hundred years. You know, what is that all about? So, Wow,
0: I didn't realize it was that
1: long. Yeah, I, I, I did a mental health course in mental health first aid course in November. And that's one of the things that struck me. Wow, you know, we've actually, this has been, kind of acceptable or kind of like the norm for like a hundred years. And like, what is that all about? What does it say about a culture where that's kind of like almost just acceptable? You know, it's, it's not, is it? It's not acceptable in any culture. And yet the pursuit of, you know, lifestyle, profit, You know, whatever way you want to, you know, I can be a bit cynical at times, but actually, you know, I do strongly feel that, you know, there's lots of reasons for it. But, you know, the industrial age commoditized human beings, it was necessary that, you know, we create people for the system. So the whole schooling of people you know, we're schooled for the system because the problem isn't just a matter of many to start talking about things. These, the, these are deeply ingrained cultural and societal issues that, you know, and as long as we exalt profit over people, it will continue to be a problem.
0: Yeah, that is, that's so important that that's what's going on and we need to realise that is, Money has been kind of defined as the more you've got, the more success you have. Where actually, like speaking from personal experience, having gone through a divorce in recent years and going from a double income to a single income, but I'm now happier than I was for many, many years of my marriage, because I've redefined what success is for me. But I think it's having and been down that rabbit hole of burnout twice, it kind of changes your perspective of life and you do start looking at your own values and what's important to you and what success means to you. Because as a society we tend to accept that success equals lots of money. Whereas success is having a life that you feel fulfilled by and you don't need a vacation from. That's my definition of success. I don't know how you feel about that.
1: It's interesting, isn't it? Because when I was little, so I was born in 1966 to a working class family in in Bournemouth and south coast of England. Uh, My dad was a carpenter, worked on building sites, and my mum was a receptionist, um, shorthand kind of typist type of person. They both worked hard. We grew up with, you know, secondhand toys and the like. If you fast forward then 50 years, so what you would call traditionally working class people here in Australia are actually quite very wealthy in terms of, well, correction, they have access to more money, mm-hmm. and that doesn't mean that they have the money. So we have friends of ours who, if they worked in England as an electrician or whatever, they would be on a modest income. Here in Australia, the whole tradie culture is elevated to this whole other level because it's a growing and expanding city. So people have access here and I partly blame the banks, right? I blame the banks, but I also, you know, it's all, you know, it's our own, there's, there's so many things at play here, there's banks, there's there's media, there's culture, but essentially, If you play the game, you have access to money. You can borrow money. You can can get your investment property. You can buy, you know, a car for the wife. And, you know, then so, but all of it is borrowed money. Right. So it looks like you're wealthy, but actually it's all on the never, never, as we would used to call it. So it's all about perception and smoke and mirrors. Whereas keeping tree- up
0: with the jones as i think is that not what they call it back yeah,
1: yeah yeah exactly now now don't get me wrong within a certain you know there's something nice about having your own house and so but there's a difference between owning and borrowing money and to be able to borrow so much money that you've got to maintain a certain amount of income in order to maintain it, you know, I we know people that do fly and fly out, and, I'm, you know, I understand why, but to, to mortgage yourself to that income, knowing that if you lost that job, you could only earn half of that otherwise, that's not very good that the banks will allow you to borrow based on that kind of it i'm just saying that we make ourselves slaves mm. you know we kind of we like to think that slavery is something in the dim and distant past but if we've got debt we are slaves
0: yeah we're slaves to the money aren't we yeah and it's, well, it's really on. interesting listening to you talk there there's a quote coming to mind from Brene Brown. I'm sure you've heard of Brene Brown and she speaks about how today we are the most overweight, addicted and in-depth society in the history of the world. Mm. Yeah. How can that be success? You know, it's when you look at it like that, you think what the actual is going on here.
1: So it becomes a, a lottery as to where you're born in the world, right? Mm. So if you're born in a wealthy nation, then to a certain extent, you'll have enough, you know. I mean, of course, there is poverty and wealth in every culture. But I guess the point being is that we are all kind of, to, you know, and we're, we all are susceptible to it. I mean, if I look at it, my own personal experience, becoming a father at 45 and suddenly having this responsibility, like, okay, I need to kind of you know, make this happen. Yet there is a drive in all of us towards something that perhaps we can never attain.
0: Yeah, know. and I think it's the external pressures that, Kind of guide us down that rabbit hole, the like the keeping up with the Joneses stuff, which we don't realize we're doing. But it's the media is so powerful, and like you were saying before, you know, it's that I use the term toxic masculinity, whereas you're not perceived to be a man unless you are. You know, have a sleeve of tattoos. You're in the gym. You're ripped. You you know, it's. And it's this impossible ideal people are trying to strive for.
1: Yeah. And, and it's
0: someone else's definition of happiness, not their own.
1: Of course, because we, we don't, you know, there's this in, perhaps it's just inbuilt desire to, I've, I've never really had an issue with being a bit different, but there's something that we find kind of a little bit awkward about not being like other people you know and i think if i was 25 rather than 55 this year i think i might be more prone to i mean you know i couldn't be ripped now even if i wanted to (laughs) (laughs) and i'm quite happy with that elena to be honest with you and you know the prospect of having having tattoos which you're only going to shrivel up in the next twenty years I don't it's quite really interested in that either to be fair but yeah the pressure societal media internal all of these things conspire against us and for men who have been brought up to be man you know If I think about men in my peer age group, typically we would have been brought up with by men who had taught us not to cry Mm -hmm. and not to express emotion. And, you know, anything other than footy and cars is, is, you know, let the women talk about that stuff. You know, it's kind of like a real, a real shame that that men have been almost forced into a stereotyped cookie cutter male kind of thing. When actually, funnily enough, they just did a little segue. I've been volunteering to do reading with kids at school, right? My children are in primary school and the they the kids don't get a chance to read at home. A lot of the kids, their mm. parents are so busy that they don't get a chance to read at home. So they're falling behind where they're reading. So I go in, you know, on a Wednesday morning and, and listen to some of the kids reading. And, you know, that's that's a tragedy in itself. It like, is, yeah. But you're seeing already with some, boys, of the I've noticed it particularly with the boys, that they have already at the age of six, being shaped into something that, you know, they're a product of their upbringing. And, you know, and again, that's a lottery because, you know, we don't choose our parents. <laughs> we don't choose where we're born. We don't, you know, and so perhaps it's not surprising in many ways that we grow up to be the way we are. And, you know, we've got to give our, cut ourselves a bit of slack, you know. in a month still
0: oh yeah totally we are all products of our upbringing but as a mum to two boys Mm. I'm very aware of all this stigma and the boys don't cry and all that nonsense that it is and so I kind of I'm the opposite I encourage my kids to express their emotions and it's okay to cry and if they need a hug they get a hug because I don't want them to grow up with that stigma and that shame around not being okay, but I think it takes more and more people like yourself and myself speaking about it and bringing it out into the open. It's not something we can change overnight, and it's probably going to take a couple of generations to do it, but we need to start the wheels in motion to start making an impact.
1: Yeah. You see, that the issue for men, I think, is that from the moment we are born, we need our dads to say, I love you, son. I love you, and you are great, just as you are. Whatever you become, I'm going to stand alongside. You know, it makes me feel emotional because I can feel the little boy in me crying out for that. Mm. So, so what we do, and this is my experience, is we put all of that need onto mum, right? And she does her best, right? But there's something missed because boys need the dad's affirmation. That, that not when they do well at sport, not when they do well academically, not when they you know, sleep around or whatever it is that, that is considered to be manly by mm-hmm. when they are when they aren't any of those things when they're just there, you know, they're crying out. But the thing is, dads are the product of their own upbringing. Yes, so it comes down the generations. Yeah, um, that's
0: why I said you know, it's going to take generations to fix this.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah.
0: It's not something we can fix instantly. And it's just the awareness and bringing it into the light and opening the discussion around it. It's, and yeah, it's changing fun. the way we parent our boys. But before we can do that, we need the self-awareness ourselves of how we are products of our own upbringing.
1: Yeah. I mean, I know when I, you know, say so my... Burnout journey, for want of a better description, started in... So I had... I've had i got a little sheet in front of me here. 26th of November 2018, when my doctor sent me for tests because I I had chronic fatigue and a depressed mood, right? So these things, you know, I hear some people giving tips and advice around burnout, you know, three tips to overcome burnout. Well, you know, going up two weeks holiday... <laughs> you know, I'm talking about here, you know, how long ago was November 2018? What, two and a half years ago, right? Mm. When it started, But when, you know, and it would have started before that. That was when I'd gone to the doctor to talk about it. So, you know, you, if it's chronic, it can take a long time to get to the point where you acknowledge it. I don't know why I got to that point, but i mean the the point is that that men you know are conditioned not to acknowledge this stuff because it it speaks into that little voice inside you that says, Well dad wouldn't approve of 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 this because you know it's not manly to fail you know if you know, I can't fail, I can't fail my family, I can't fail my boss, I can't fail myself. If I acknowledge that I'm feeling these things, then I'm not a man because my dad did, you know, I've not been brought up to acknowledge, it. You know, all this stuff going on inside, you know, like the proverbial duck on the pond where you're trying to hold it all together with your personal brand (laughs) and under the water,
0: yeah, the feet are going a hundred miles an hour if not more. Yeah, but
1: the problem being is that some men can't don't, are unable to even acknowledge this, so they just check out and commit so I mean you know what kind of societal and internal pressures takes a takes somebody to go from you know the only way that I'm going to be able to deal with this is to to kill myself.
0: Yeah, it's extreme. It's so sad that we, as you said, you know, as a society, we accept that that's the option some people take. It's
1: nine a day.
0: Nine a day, 42 a week. That's horrendous. And that's just in Australia.
1: One person every 160 minutes.
0: Yeah. The impact that has is far greater on the impact of a guy saying, hey, I need some
1: help. Well, say put it it there, use this kind of picture. You've got nine people in a room. Mm -hmm. So so a room adjoining here, and every hundred and sixty minutes we're having a conversation, one of them puts a bullet in their own head, you know. We would be we you know, we would be desperately trying to find a solution to that. You know, that Yes, it's a big subject. And yeah, it's far easier just to say, you know, I'm just going to, as long as I'm all right and my family's all right and I've got my little mansion, I've got my kind of, you know, as long as I'm all right, Jack, you know, sorry, that sounds like I'm being cynical, but that's what we've created. We've created a society of individuals who struggle to relate to each other because. You know, it's all about grabbing my bit, making sure I've got my bit, and then everybody that falls through the cracks. You know, it's just like you know that's that's human beings, sadly.
0: Yeah, and it goes back to that wanting to belong to the tribe and feeling like you're good enough.
1: Mm, yeah, exactly, exactly. So.
0: You try to keep up with the Joneses so you you fit in, so to speak, you know, or else you're not good enough to be in the cool gang. It's, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've never been in the cool gang. Nor have
0: I. That's maybe why we speak about this so openly.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's funny, isn't it? Because... You know, I remember the whole kind of thing. I remember when it really started off for me, and I woke up one day and I hadn't, I couldn't believe I'd actually been to sleep, you know, and I was really struggling with starting to struggle with burnout. And then, of course, as a man, you go, okay, you start to think about it on a, you go immediately to the practical. You think, I can't afford to feel like this i can't afford to be like this and the thing is with burnout as you will know elena is that it's like so burnout for me was like this somebody got a screwdriver unscrewed the little battery compartment in my chest which is obviously metaphorical undid the screw, the compartment took out one of the rechargeable batteries and threw it away so there's just one battery left and it was any often anywhere being between close to empty to sort of halfway full. So immediately, so what you try and do is you try and fix it, because that's what men try and do. You try and fix it, but you've got nothing in the tank to fix it with. Mm. So so it compounds the it compounds the demasculinization of yourself because you can't do it. You can't, you know. The best you can, the best I could do for about six weeks was to get up, get the kids to school, come back, go to sleep, get up, get the kids from school, get them home, clap. I mean, and I thought that I can't carry on like this. And then you start accusing yourself of being lazy. You start, you start saying, well, you know, and and then of course then you go on TV or you know, like you do, you hop on Netflix because you know you're kicking around the house. And all of the male characters are either macho or you know alpha males. Alpha males, yeah. And many of the entrepreneurial role model type of Men are alpha, alpha males. Many of those who've so-called succeeded in business are alpha males. Many CEOs are alpha males. And because there's this kind of whole kind of thing about, well, okay. But the problem being is that these people are, aren't are necessarily answerable to their staff team. They're answerable to the shareholders. And the shareholders only care about them, dollars and cents, Yeah, that's where it all is compounded, because ultimately, if my life only has value in terms of dollars and cents, then what does that look? What does that say about the society?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a a huge systemic problem, isn't it? And like circling back to what you said very early on in our conversation, it's that overworking that creates that badge of honor you know it's almost like martyrdom and that's rife in healthcare it's like i need to pick up that extra shift i can't go home on time i need to do this and we do i mean i've been guilty of it in the past as well you know it's like it's almost like you're seeking external validation through doing this that creates this kind of negative toxic cycle of martyrdom so you can be awarded this badge of honour for what running yourself into the wall it's it's a crazy concept when you break it down
1: i I mean this is the issue i mean i was thinking about this when i was writing about this well this you know where where is the middle ground here it's like you know and i have i've been i i do write a lot on this well well, you know i'm not choosing a monastic lifestyle a way to opt out but neither do i want to go to the other degree where it's like you've just described i've got to you know sell my soul to the system the machine the, the you know the because.
0: hamster wheel be stuck on it
1: i don't want to be a commodity in the system right because that's what the system wants me to be mm-hmm. and neither do i want to opt without entirely to be you know a monk although sometimes that does appeal, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> it
0: does, <happen>. yeah.
1: <laughs> um, but, you know, and I think that's perhaps why I'm self-employed, because I don't fit, I'm not prepared to become a commodity to the system. I've tried to forge some kind of middle path. and not been easy at all because of, you know, You start to propagate, is that the right word? You start to, you try to think, well, you're trying to help people to think that there's another way to do this thing called life. But Mm. it's hard when 99.9% are in the kind of, you know, crush it and smash it and, you know, tread on anyone who gets in my way and grab my slice of the pie because if I don't, Nobody's gonna do it for me, kind of thinking. It's all about the hustle, isn't it? Yeah. Well yeah. But and again that's that's been kind of glamorized. Mm-hmm. And there's this whole romance around kind of like, you know, well, you know, become your own boss and you know, create your list and get your personal brand and you know, and and blah 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 blah, you know, and you end up well what what happens is more often than not, is that you just get just as busy if not more busy doing something that you kind of like better than you were before but you still get burned out
0: (laughs) (laughs) because you're trying to do four jobs instead of one precisely
1: you know and let's face it as a you know we we're all you know I have certain talents and quite a lot of weaknesses you know thankfully I'm married to a woman that Covers a lot of my weaknesses. She's, you know, into receipts and things, which I think is a weird thing. You know, I'm. You are to
0: your yang. That's cool. It works.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But you know, burnout. Yeah, and it's hard. And it's hard to. And it doesn't. And uh, I don't know your experience. You've described that. You know, you've you've experienced it a couple of times. But for me, I mean, it just doesn't. I actually. I didn't really have any major symptoms for burnout for about three months, and I thought it had gone away. And then a couple of months ago, I kind of like hit a wall again. I thought, oh, crikey, is this going to be the way it is <laughs> oh. I
0: know I'm heading that way when I start wanting to run away. I get this overwhelming urge to run. Yeah. And that's my red light. I'm like, oh, shit, something's not right. Mm-hmm. I want to run because... The second time I burnt out, that's exactly what I did. I got up one morning, and this was back in Aberdeen and we lived in one of these old terraced streets with the ten victorian tenements and I came down down the stairs out the front door of the block, and work was just round the corner. I walked to work, but the car was sitting there, and I had the keys in my bag for some reason. And I just got in the car, and I didn't—I can't remember what went through my head. But I just got in the car instead of getting going to work. I started driving, and I turned my phone off, and I just drove and drove, and I found myself at Glasgow Airport three and a half hours later. And then I suddenly came to my senses and was like, "What the hell are you doing, Elena?"
1: So, 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 Tam, but tell me how then? How did your employer deal with that?
0: How they they were actually very supportive they had been frantically looking for me obviously phoned my fiancee was concerned about my well-being because i hadn't my mental health had been suffering for a while and i was taking in Prozac an antidepressant so they were concerned that i'd done something even more extreme than going on a big long drive And they were actually very compassionate when I did come back to work. I got a few days off on leave and then I went back. But I worked in a very small hospital. It was very kind of close-knit and I was fortunate to have such understanding employers. So, yeah, but that's when I realised I'd hit rock bottom the second
1: time. What is it in the healthcare sector that, you know, why is burnout so prevalent amongst nurses?
0: I think... There's a few different factors. It's that martyrdom, that badge of honor, that constant self sacrifice. And there's this phenomenon called compassion fatigue, where we just, we're continuously exposed to very traumatic events and helping people deal with their own trauma, that we start to lose any kind of compassion for it. Mm. And it just compounds and compounds. There's also vicarious trauma, which is slightly different, which is just the continual exposure to these extremely traumatic events. So, you know, we work in these high-pressure, highly emotional environments. And if we're not looking after our mental health, then we can very easily start to
1: see the cracks forming. That isn't, you know, you'd have thought outside of nursing that i mean clearly it still revolves around money you'd you'd like to think that it doesn't even the conversation i had this morning on linkedin around the the conversation that i had with a a woman on friday at at a social gathering who'd had a mastectomy double mastectomy and she had both breasts removed but she was talking about her friend, her close friend, who'd also had a double mastectomy, but had a reconstruction at the same time as the surgery, and has minimal scarring. And but that was all down to the fact that her friend could afford that. <laughs> you know, so it all comes back to the problem of does But but in terms of, you'd have thought that in nursing, perhaps there would be a good. You know, there there would be, okay, we're seeing the signs in you. This is what we need to do, you to do. No, none of that. Okay. It
0: all comes back to the money at the end of the day. We're running short staffed a lot of the time and. There's KPIs just like any other industry. And I read a really fascinating report last year on LinkedIn that was written by someone in the corporate world. I can't remember exactly what sector, but they were reviewing the business model for healthcare. And they said it's one of the most flawed business models they've ever seen because it relies so heavily on the goodwill of the staff. Like only Friday night, my shift finished at seven o'clock, supposedly. I walked out of there at eleven. Yeah. Because there was no one coming in to let me go. You know, I work in the private sector. It's not like there's someone coming in to let you go. If there's still patients in the building that need looking after, I can't just walk out.
1: So should things like so should things like healthcare, education, should these things when you think about it These things didn't exist hundreds of years ago, you know. And should they not be private sector at all? Should it be completely public run?
0: I don't know, because the public sector's got its own faults as well. I mean, I worked in the NHS, you know, in the UK. And at the end of the day, that relies on government funding, you know, so... It's also being run as a business. It's both sectors have their own different
1: challenges. Perhaps, perhaps the issue then on a governmental level is that you know there should be a guaranteed amount of tax to go to health, guaranteed amount of taxes that go to education. All of it going into one general pot where Peter robs Paul, and you know. Where we can't give you this money that we promised you before we got elected because it's gone for roads or something, you know. That, yeah. that Oh, we just fix it in two minutes? Yeah. Um, <laughs>
0: It'd be so good if we could. But
1: <laughs> I want to ask you a question, actually. Yeah. And, regarding, do you think that those of us now? Let me be honest with you. I am a, I am a man who. Um, is very much in touch with my emotions and my feelings. And I take a lot of notice of them. I don't know whether that's, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I've not lived as another man, so I don't know if other men are the same. But what I wanted to ask is, do you think that burnout is more prevalent with those of us who perhaps have strong empathy, compassion... Are we more prone to it if we feel things more struck, you know, if we can't, comp- can't compartmentalize? Is that a word? Do I think? don't
0: think it's about compartmentalization. I think it's about having clear boundaries and knowing what they are. I think people like yourself and I, who are very empathic and compassionate, we can very easily start to self sacrifice if we don't know where the boundary is. So it's about coming back to that self-care and looking after yourself rather than worrying about someone else. What I always say is, you know, if you're saying yes to someone else means you're saying no to yourself, then you need to reconsider what it is you're saying.
1: Yeah. Easier said than done.
0: It is, and it takes a lot of practice, especially with all these societal beliefs and conditionings that we have but once you start to delve into your own psyche and understand what makes you tick and your values and your beliefs you start to recognise pretty quickly where they're becoming out of alignment and where you may be buying into someone else's rather than your own
1: yeah okay yeah
0: if that makes sense
1: yeah does make sense
0: Because I know even like, take for example, my marriage. I remember a few times in the early years after we split up, I'd say something and then I would think, because I'd been doing personal development for years before, and then I would think, why did I say that? That's not actually my belief. That's my ex-husband's and I've just adopted it as my own to keep the peace with him. And I'm like, but now I'm not with him. I can follow my own. You know, it's it's so subtle little things that we pick up along the way and we lose who we are.
1: Well, uh, yeah, and I, I think you're right because I've many times I've apologised for the way that I am, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: And That sounds a bit odd, but I'm you know making kind of you know i'm i like shoes (laughs) i just do like shoes i am what i am and many times i've ridiculed myself because i'm not the ripped tat kind of guy you know and i think that i should be and i've been teetotal since 2007. i like the bgs like opera i like I'll cry at a movie, you know whatever when the medication doesn't stop me from crying, <laughs> but <laughs> we maybe. need
0: more men like you, Daryl. that's what you know well,
1: that's' it, what I, that's, what I, that's what i you know that's what I've been saying,
0: yeah, we do we need more guys who are willing to be their own selves, yeah I mean, I liken my whole, I talk about being homesick, and for the first, I mean, you're a migrant like myself. The first six years I've been was in Australia, I was incredibly homesick to the point I was going home once every eight months at one point, And I'd bump into old friends in the street and they'd be like, Lena, I thought you'd move to Australia. And I said, like, I, I have. And they're like, well, why are you always here?
1: Yeah.
0: And and then my marriage ended.
1: Mm.
0: And I realized through this unraveling process and really looking into myself. I wasn't actually homesick for Scotland. I was homesick for Elena and who she really was at her core. Yeah. And once I rediscovered her, I've never been homesick since. I'm so happy here in Australia.
1: And how did you do that then?
0: Through a whole process of... Just looking at my values, my limiting beliefs, you know, diving into mindfulness, meditation. I studied NLP and that's why I'm so passionate about what I do now and what I teach and Mm -hmm. how to prevent going down that burnout. Because I think if we know who we are at our core, we're going to be less predisposed to heading towards burnout because we're not going to be doing things for external validation and people pleasing and fitting in with the societal norms we will be happy with who we are
1: it took me five years of being in business before I realized that values driven not you know I looking at everybody else and saying well I don't why well, am I not motivated like these people you know I should be I'm self-employed I you know blah, blah, blah. but I'm values driven and that changes the whole game and I don't think I think Perhaps a lot of people are in denial that they are values driven or don't think values driven can be profitable, but I just can't be any other way than that. And I, you know.
0: And when you have a values misalignment with the role you're in or the company you're working for, it's like shoving shit up a hill. You're never going to win.
1: No. I used to work in sales, right? And which was a, enough of a barrier to get over with people at the best times. I was attracted to sales because it was, I could help people. But of course, when you're employed by people that don't care about the customer, the customer is just a hurdle to be negotiated in order to increase the bottom line. There's no way that you can serve the customer as you think they should. So you end up getting fired. Because there's a misalignment with the company boss. So, and that happened a number of times with me before I realized that actually it's because there's not a values alignment. So, the problem is you take that into self employment, think, I've got, I've got to generate the business, blah, 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 and you fall for all the traps. You go, okay, well, I've got to have my mailing list and I've got to have this and I've got to, you know, i am got to close business and you know. It's a whole other set of traps to negotiate in self employment. You know, values, being values-driven is a huge subject. We can discuss yeah. it all the time. <laughs>
0: that's a massive, yeah. I've recorded a couple of podcasts on values and understanding your core values because yeah, that's fundamental. It's one of the starting points, um, as you know.
1: Yeah. So burnout, you know, as we've discovered in this hour, is a huge subject, isn't it? So, you know, any other questions for me whilst we're...
0: No, I don't. It's been awesome talking to you, Daryl. And thank you so much for having this conversation and bringing it into the light and providing a community for men to go to if they are feeling burnt out or recognising any of the symptoms that you speak about in themselves, because I think having that peer support is
1: huge what we have found my co-host neville and i neville is a counselor in victoria but what we've been found and we're we're, we're about to provide a couple of other tiers of membership for burnout rose because what we've been finding is that making the leap from not talking about it to talking about it in a small group is actually too big a leap for a lot of men So we're providing some stepping stones towards that. so And also a means for people who wouldn't necessarily identify themselves as men to be able to support the work we're doing because, you know, Neville and I both are are doing this because we feel led to do it. But, you know, we do need money. (laughs) Yeah.
0: As we've discussed a couple of times throughout this episode.
1: Precisely. You do need some,
0: Mm.
1: you know, unfortunately. And, you know, we've all got bills to pay and mouths to feed. So that comes into it. But that doesn't have to be the driving force. That can't be the driving force. um,
0: So where can people find you if they want to learn more about burnout bros?
1: Burnout Bros, patreon.com forward slash burnout bros. Um, that's where they can find a community handbook and they can join our little tribe if they wish to. Obviously, I write a lot about burnout and depression on LinkedIn and particularly on Medium, where if people really want a, a brain dump of <laughs> that, <laughs> um, then uh, meet Daryl Griffin. Well, you'd have to provide the spellings. Yeah, I'll uh, so put
0: the links in the show notes as well for people.
1: DarylGriffin.medium.com. I try and write most days. Observations of a fifty-something entrepreneur affected by burnout. I just shoot from the hip on that platform, really. So uh, people might like that if they want to go there yeah but connect with me on linkedin and but i don't um, i don't do superficial very well so don't expect a load of trite marketing nonsense i like to talk about real issues so yeah.
0: good on you. as i said we need more people like you in the world definitely
1: oh, well you know and then well thank you but and thank you for what you're doing as well so
0: thank we you it's been a pleasure and good luck with it all
1: pleasure thanks for having me on
0: thank you for listening to the Happy Nurse podcast. If you've enjoyed today's content and would like to join the Happy Nurse community, head over to Facebook and check out the Happy Nurse AU Facebook page and request to join the Happy Nurse community. Also check out happynurse.com.au for access to free downloads and subscription to my blog. See you soon and in the meantime, remember to always offer yourself the same compassion that you so freely give to others. I'm excited to share with you all that I've contributed a chapter to the newly published Anxiety Relief Handbook. The handbook provides a unique window into 11 highly effective complementary therapies for you to sample on your quest to ease anxiety. The ebook is available on my website, happynurse.com.au forward slash anxiety relief handbook.